Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of To The Point Podcast. Hope you are all doing well. It is a Friday. It's a big money Friday at that. Lots of gambling chat today revolving the NFL Week 6 involving some college football action, a nice underdog parlay that I put in this morning. So I'll let you guys know what I'm thinking on the college front, on NFL, and some interesting, interesting gambling fronts for this weekend. So we'll get into that. Also, we got lots of NHL to chat about. We got lots of I got a lot of different thoughts about games last night. Got through got through a number of them. We got some headlines in the NHL as well already with some injuries and an extension. So we got lots to get. It's a big show. It's a loaded show. I love this time of year where we got hockey. We start NFL in full swing. Basketball starts up on Tuesday. It's, it's a good time to be a sports fan. It's a good time to be a fan of To The Point because lots of content coming, lots of opinions, a lot of, lot of me that can be up or down, a, a good thing, however you want to look at it. But I think it will be fun. It, these, these shows are going to be jam-packed, and I'm, I'm, I really I got lots of notes for today's show, so want to get through them all. But let's start with hockey, and I'm going to start off by saying this. I did not watch the Leaf game last night, so I don't have many opinions about the Leaf game because I've seen the highlight. I didn't watch the game. I made the choice this year that I want to be a person that can talk about as many teams as possible knowledgeably. I pride myself on that. It's something that I think is far more valuable to the podcast than being an expert on one team. And if you disagree with me, if you if you want me to focus on one particular team, let me know or a couple. And I can transition because this is about you more than more than it is about me. Whatever content that you guys enjoy the most, just let me know because that that's the most important thing to me I, the way I'm looking at it is you can go to other podcasts for three hours of Leaf chat, mixing in some Montreal and, and you know, the Canadian teams. And I'm still going to talk about Canadian teams on this podcast. I'm not saying I'm not going to talk about the Leafs at all. Of course I am. They're right in the middle of it. They're, they are an interesting team. But to me, grasping the entire league, getting a, a full picture of what the NHL is doing, the players, the new talent coming in, to me that's a more interesting – that's a more interesting angle that I can dive into, that we can explore here on this podcast instead of, and we'll let the other podcasts do that, which is work for them. But listeners, people that have supported me, November 1st, I'll be doing this for two years, which is pretty incredible. And I'm constantly learning. I'm trying to adapt. I'm trying to get better every day. So if you're listening to me and you have an opinion on this, let me know. If you don't like my wardrobe, let me know. Today, it's a, Fridays, I like to go casual. I like to wear a nice little sweater. I got my new NFL hat, and I love this hat for many reasons. I think it's a nice hat, but also, if you're watching the video here on YouTube or on Facebook, it's just NFL. It just says NFL National Football League. No teams, no nothing. Just the league. I'm a fan of the league. I love that point of view. 
Some people have said to me, why do you have that hat? Where's it? Where's the team on it? Love that response. It's getting exactly, exactly why I bought this hat. So, you know, I got my, I got my props. I got the hat. I got my football that I like to have around when we do the shows here. So just, just let me know. That's my thought on the NHL. That's what I try to do with football. That's what I'm planning to do with the NHL just to spread out the content a bit. I joke about watching, you know, a bad team every year and I watch a bunch of their games. It's the truth. I watched the Sabres game last night. I watched Sabres Sens and I watched Florida and the Islanders at the same time. Just to take you through my night last night. This is how I absorb content. I started with the Sabres game and Ottawa. It was 8 o'clock start. Got that on my TV. Then on my computer, I threw on Florida and the Islanders because Florida, one of the two most interesting teams to start the NHL season for me, right with the Calgary Flames. Islanders are interesting too because I think they're going to be a lot better this season. So I wanted to watch that game. While this is happening, I am taping the Thursday night football game between the Washington football team and the Chicago Bears. We will talk about that briefly today. So I'm taping that. So I can watch that game while the Ottawa Buffalo game goes to commercial. Yes, this is or goes to intermission. I apologize. Yes, this is the truth. This is my life. It's sick. I realize that. So I got those two games that I'm watching, and then I got the football game in the intermissions. After the Buffalo Senators game ends, I threw on Calgary, Colorado. Really intriguing game. We'll talk about that. After the Florida game ended, I switched to what did I throw on? I switched. I threw on the Kraken game against the Los Angeles Kings because release the Kraken. Back to back nights, Kraken hockey for this guy. Maybe the only person on planet Earth that did that. But I watched both of those games. Sadly, start to finish. Big win for the Kraken last night. Shane Wright, healthy scratch. No mention of it. Ontario tax. I continue to be right on that front. And that's trademarked, by the way, for everybody that heard that out there. Everybody that finds this true, it's to the point TM. Ontario tax is trademarked. It is mine. It is ours. Do not steal it. TM, trademark. That's what I absorbed last night. I also watched a bit of Tulsa UCF this morning, or Temple UCF this morning. Yeah. So that was, that was a lot of content last night, but that was my night. That's how I absorbed the games. And I didn't throw in the Leaf game, as I mentioned, just because I, I watched their first game. I didn't feel like I, I – I, they're everybody's favorite. Overdrive, I'll talk about them for three hours today. You can go there. Listen to me first, though, because they do a good job, though. Overdrive's a good podcast. I promote stuff when I like it. It's a good show. It is. They talk too much about the Leafs, but hey, not everybody's perfect. Not everybody can be Jake Gyllenhaal or, you know, Selma Hayek. Not everybody can be those people. Anywho, let's pivot to Sabres Senators. Yes, I watched this game in, in full last night. And I the Sabres are incredibly intriguing to me alongside the Senators. But I, I want to start with the Sabres. Okay, they win last night. They beat the Senators. Power play was horrible. We'll get to that in a minute. 
what I what I think the big thing that Don Granado has done in Buffalo is you you know the the big bold word or the the easy narrative is oh he's built a new culture okay that that's that's easy to say but what does that mean building a culture is it the locker room no because the locker room fixes itself is it is it systems in a way to me what Don Granado has done with young players has approached them and just made it simple. And we've seen progression from a guy like Dylan Cousins. Dylan Cousins was pretty raw coming out of junior. Played some in the American Hockey League. He's done that. He's bounced around. But now he's solidified himself as a valid NHL player. Good player, Dylan Cousins. No doubt about it. But what he's done, and what I think Don Granado has done with his coaching, is he's he's preached smart play over the flashy play. And predominantly, this is done in your own zone. This is how you become a true bona fide NHLer. Because you can have all the skill in the world. Dylan Cousins was a fantastic major junior player. He was a fantastic world junior hockey player. But when you get to the NHL, you are not going to be as dominant as you were in junior, unless you're McDavid, Matthews. We know the, the list of names. When you are going to be a second-line elite-type player, a good player, you're going to need to adapt and play a more simplistic game early on until you find your bearings, until you become what you ultimately hope to be, which is a star player. A couple times last night, we saw Buffalo Sabres do the flashy play in their own zone over the smart play. Owen Power, who I think is going to be very good, had a mixed bag of a game last night. I thought he jumped up into the play a few times where he really, you can see his stride, you can see his confidence, height is there, all the attributes you'd want in a defenseman. But then there's also times I look at him and in his own zone, there's a, it's a quick pass up the boards. Just make the pass. It's like a quarterback. I'll talk about Justin Fields later. Make the throw. And he didn't. He, he, he would wait a second. And then, you know, he before you know it, the puck's off his stick, it's a steal, and then you're in trouble in your own zone. Sometimes the, the smart play or the easy play, if you will, is so hard for these talented players to accept. Power, I saw it last night. J.J. Paterka, I saw it a few times last night. Buffalo's a young team, extremely young. But they have potential. It was one shift where power did it. They got stripped. They got the puck. It looks like, hey, we got control. We can get the puck out of our zone. What happens the next in the same shift while everybody's gassed? There's another turnover, and you can't get the puck out again. Again, this happens. So this season, and Craig Anderson had a quote yesterday about wishing he was 10 years younger so that he could be here longer in this development of a team that could be, could be very good. I agree with him. I think the Buffalo Sabres, they keep making smart decisions, 
re-signing Donnie Granado, one of them, developing good players like Owen Power. I just look at a couple things for Buffalo. Dylan Cousins has improved. It took over a year. He's improved a lot. Looks extremely confident. Looks like a bona fide NHLer last night. I equate his progress to Drake Batherson's, who I think looked fantastic last night as well. He's a great player. But Dylan Cousins is improving. He's more confident. That will happen for kids like Paterka, for guys like Owen Power. Casey Middlestad's final. I think you're starting to see parts of what could make him a good NHLer. But making the smart play is what Donnie Granado is going to – that's the biggest thing he needs to do this year. Smart play over the flashy play. And it's extremely difficult because you can get away with the flashy play when you're younger because you're better than everybody. You're not better than everybody here. Owen Power is not better than Thomas Shabbat right now. Owen Power is not better than Timmy Stutzla right now. Owen Power is not the best player in his own team right now. Can he get there? I think he can. I think he can. But I look at the nucleus of this Sabres team. They're not going to be a great team this year. They win opening night. Montreal wins opening night. And don't think when I'm – I like watching teams that have young talent because I like to see how it can translate. In a way, these teams are similar in that I think Buffalo has more young talent that they hope to push forward and build a successful team. Montreal wants to trade away some of their veterans to get better. Both teams, you could argue, are without a goaltender of the future. Jake Allen is not a goaltender of the future for me, for the Montreal Canadiens. Good stopgap goalie, has been a great trooper there. He's not the guy that's going to win a Stanley Cup in net. It's not going to happen. Buffalo's got Craig Anderson and Eric Comrie. Neither of those guys are going to – maybe Uka Pekalukinen can develop. Yeah, it's a mouthful of a name, but he's a, he was drafted high. Maybe he can be the goaltender of the future for the Buffalo Sabres. But you got Paterka. You got Cousins. You got Middlestad. Cage Thompson, you, you got signed long-term. You got uh, you got lots of – you got talent signed long-term. Rasmus Dahlin, you have signed long-term. This Buffalo team has a nucleus of guys that can be successful. You're going to lose games. You're, you're going to have nights where you're not in it. You need to develop good habits so that eventually you're ready to compete. You're ready to, to swim with the big boys, so to speak. But Dylan Cousins to me was the biggest. It's one game. It's one game. It's a good first impression, but he looks good. Darlene played a hell of a game last night as well. Both guys look good. J.J. Paterka gets his first NHL goal. Good for him. Sabres win. Now, on to Ottawa. One of my takes before this season was that I thought Timmy Stutzla was going to be one of the breakout stars of this year. I thought Timmy Stutzla could get to a point per game. He's a guy that third overall pick. He's got a lot more potential. And again, it's one game. But I look at the his game last night, and I couldn't feel more confident about my take. Played fantastic last night. All over the ice. 
all over the offensive zone. Stealing pucks, shots, good passes, and not to mention, you're, you put them on a line with Drake Batherson and Brady Kachuk. Yes, yes, Ottawa. They didn't score last night. You could argue the Ottawa Senators spent too much time on the power play. If the game was more 5-on-5, five five, they might have won. Probably would have won. Five on, their power play was horrible. Horrible. Generated nothing. That'll improve. But 5-on-5, five five, they were the better team last night. You look at with Norris and Giroux on the, on the top two with the brink at on your second line, and you got Batherson, Stutzla, and Kachuk. Those top two lines can get it done. There is no superstar on the Ottawa Senators yet. Drake Batherson will never be a superstar. And that's not a shot at Drake, but it's just it's just the way the superstars to me, you gotta really prove it to become a superstar. It's not just, oh, you're a superstar because you got this many points. You gotta do it consistently. Drake Batherson will be a great player the rest of his career. He's never gonna be a superstar. Brady Kachuk is not a superstar, will never be one. To me, Thomas Shabbat is not a superstar. Really good player, not a superstar. Timmy Stutzla can be. To me, I think he can be. Can he be a 100-point player? Yeah, I think so. His dynamic creativity, his shot, his presence on the ice, in his own zone, is he going to give a shit that much about covering the opposing center iceman? No. No. Cage Thompson, who was primarily who he matched up against last night, is going to get good looks because Stutzel is going to be focusing on scoring goals. That's the price you pay. However, 95% of the league's top centermen have the same mentality. Connor McDavid has that mentality. You're playing against Calgary. Would they play Saturday night? Elias Lindholm's going to get some good looks because McDavid's going to look to break out of the zone. He probably won't be in the best position to defend Elias Lindholm. Does that mean you don't want Connor McDavid on your team? No. That means you want you want him desperately on your team. You'll sacrifice that for offensive output. Austin Matthews. Yes. Okay, he might win the Selkie. He's, he's good at stripping pucks. But he does a lot of those steals in the offensive zone when they take the puck from him, to be fair to this situation. So is the defensive game improved? Yes. But nobody's Patrice Bergeron. That's why Patrice Bergeron is going to the Hall of Fame. That's why Patrice Bergeron is a very unique player because he values defensive-minded just as much as offensive-minded play. So few players actually have that mentality. They can say we have that mentality. Yeah, yeah, we're we're just as Biden as, as we are on this. No, you're not. You're not. It's a good lie. It's a good mentality to have. There are way worse lies that you could tell, but is that the truth? Hell to the nah. No. Because you want to score goals. You want to get stats. You want to earn that next contract. Of course. When you're at your job... Do you work harder when you're by yourself or when your boss is around? Well, if you're smart, you work harder when your boss is around. Now you could tell, say to me, well, no, I work just as hard. I work the same amount. No, you don't. It's 
it's in our being. We want to imp- we want to impress the person that we're trying to impress. You go on at a di- you go on at a date. You're going to be dressed nicer. You're going to clip your nails. You're not going to wear this hat and this sweater pairing that I got on today. You're going to look more presentable. At least you probably should. It's just human nature. That's how it works. Defensive-minded metrics don't get you money. Don't get you long-term extensions. Don't get you praise. Trace Bergeron can win 85 Selkie trophies. That award is still given a, a moniker of, okay, it's a Selkie trophy. Do you remember the year the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup? Fun fact, did you know Ryan O'Reilly won the Selkie that year? Not many people do. And when he was brought up as to why he's having such a great season, it was like, oh, it's only the Selkie trophy. That's the outlook on that award. But Stutzel looks great. He does. I. That is just how what you work harder at what's going to get you, what's going to lead to you being more successful. Your boss comes in the door, you put in a little more hustle. You might work harder when he's not there, but when he gets there, you tell him what you did that he asked you to do or that you that he didn't have to ask you to do so he's impressed with you. So that you gotta, he's got to give you the raise. He's got to think about at least giving you a little extra pay, whatever the perk that you're looking for. Come on, everybody. You know I'm right. Your effort normally depends on the carrot, if you will, that's in front of you. When, you're, when you potentially could get a raise, when you potentially could get a date, when you could potentially get X, you work harder. It's just human nature. Timmy Stutzla is never going to be Mr. Tryhard in his own zone. But he might be a Mr. 100-point man, and I think Ottawa will be okay with that. And DJ Smith, Jack Capuano on the Senators bench, can look to Claude Drew and be like, Hey, Claude. We're going to need you to keep winning face-offs at your rate, and we're going to need you to really lock down and not give up many five-on-five goals, okay? Your numbers might dip, but guess what? You're signed already. Your career's done, basically. You're just a bit piece for us now. We need Timmy to shine. These conversations happen, folks. You'll give up. Bad defense for good offense every day of the week. Because your lesser players who aren't scoring that much to begin with buy in defensively because you don't have a choice on the matter. That would be a gift for Ottawa if Timmy Sutzel could be a 100-point player. And they can look at Matthew Joseph and say, hey, Matthew, we really like you. We traded for you last year at the trade deadline. We signed you to an extension. Yeah, we love you, but buy in defensively. Be the best third line in hockey. Don't give up five and five goals, okay? Okay? Yeah, you might get 12 goals this year, but guess what? We might make the playoffs. That helped make us feel good. Your next contract, I will give it to you, we promise. Maybe. Everybody's success 
One person's success does not benefit everybody. That is the funny thing in life. You'd think when politicians make decisions, it would benefit the entire country, the entire province, you know, however you look at it, it doesn't. That's life. Timmy Stutzler's success might be the detriment of others. Could be. You hope that a person finding success, finding all kinds of ways to be more effective will benefit everyone. It doesn't always work that way. It can with quarterback, wide receiver combination. Okay, you give me a new, a new contract. Mm -hmm. Except you might want to stay with that organization, but you might price yourself out. Right? You might price yourself out. They'll keep the quarterback, of course. The quarterback is the most important position. In hockey, it doesn't always work that way. Because if you're a scoring winger and you have to pivot your game and now you become a defensive-minded winger on a defensive-minded third line and your contract runs out but the guy in the first line is having career seasons and you got to depart, are they going to look at it the same way? Are they gonna, the opposing team going to look at it and say, well, yeah, we see you. You're a really good defensive-minded winger on a third line. Why don't we pay you like one? We like you and this team at that role, but we don't like you at $4 million. How about $1.2? Find security and you're in the first year of a four-year deal and you want to try and experiment? That's when you do it. But when it's a player that's on an expiring contract that's asked to change their game or asked to buy into this new system. Well, if you can, that's the, the art of a good teammate. If somebody's willing to do that, because let me tell you, it doesn't always benefit that person. The economics game benefits certain people. It hurts others. The bitter truth, the bitter irony. Drake Batherson, quickly. He had 44 points in 46 games last year. Injuries, you remember he got hurt just before the All-Star game, really hurt his shoulder. He'll be a point-per-game player this year. He'll get at least 82. I could see him being over point-per-game. With this line, Kachuk, Stutzla, Drake, they won't play each other the whole year. He'll have 82 points at least. I think he'll go over the number this season. If you're looking at player props for points this season, I would look at Batherson. I would take the over on a point per game. I truly think that he's a really good, really good player. You see him uh, flip that puck over to Kachuk last night and went bar down. Drake Batherson over a point per game. That's an interesting gambling prop I would look at this year. And I'd look at Timmy Stutzla over on his points as well. Just, just a couple thoughts on the, on the gambling front before we move on. Florida Panthers, New York Islanders last night. Interesting game. Florida Panthers, systematic. I'm watching last night. And Florida gets on the first power play of the season. And I'm looking, I'm like, okay, well, I'm thinking Kachuk will be out there. He is. I'm like, I think Sasha will be out there. He is. I think Sam Reinhardt will be out there. He is. I'm thinking, well, maybe Carter Verhage will be out there. He is not. I'm like, okay, it's a little puzzling. And then I see Aaron Eckblad out there, of course. Nobody loves Aaron Eckblad more than me. And I see Brandon Montour out there as well. 
this is just something for me that I don't think I'll ever change this opinion because I've had it for the longest time and most times I'm right. I bicker about this with my parents because my sister is a defenseman. They like having her get opportunities on special teams. I get it. If I was running a team, general manager, coach, however you want to look at it, I would never, capital N, capital E, capital V, capital E, capital R, never have two defensemen on the top power play unit. I hate it. Hate, hate, loathe entirely. Here's why. I like having one defenseman because normally that one defenseman is the person running the power play. That one defenseman is setting up your best forwards for looks, for one-timers, for plays down low. They are the architect. They are the surgeon. They are running the show. So I look at this power play. Well, Sam Reinhardt's going to be in the bumper. Because that's where Sam Reinhardt plays. He lives there. Love it. Kachuk, right in front of the net. Why not? It's Matthew Kachuk. He's got unreal skills. You know, between the legs, goals. We've seen it all. The dude's a stud. Sasha, put him out. He's got one of the great wristers in the league. He's versatile. He can make plays himself. So bumper up top. We got a guy in front of the net in Kachuk. We got Sasha over here. Then we have this wing. Left side of your wing completely empty, right? For going through this scenario. Why, oh why, are we, hmm, why do would we have a defenseman over there? Well, I don't know why we would. Because defensemen are not used to being down low, being in a position to circle the puck around and have that kind of opportunity. They're sticking back. They're at the blue line. I don't want Alex Ovechkin's not the blue line when he's set up back there. It's a difference. By the way, Mason Marchment, that would be his off wing, meaning he could take shots from there in his perfect position. You don't want to put Mason Marchment? Don't. I'm sorry, uh, Carter Verhege. Mason Marchment's on my mind. Great night for Dallas last night. Love the signing. Two defensemen on the power play. No. Florida, never, ever, I don't care how bad your team is. I don't care how much lack of skill you have. Arizona, who are horrible, had two power play goals last night by Nick Ritchie, of all people. Nick Ritchie, former Toronto Maple Leaf, now, on a, now an Arizona desert dog, ASU, two power play goals last night. Arizona, who has the least amount of talent in the NHL, yes, less than Chicago, had two power play goals. They had four forwards on that power play. And they had two power play goals on three attempts against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Doesn't matter if they lost the game. I'm talking about the power play. Never, ever two defensemen on the same power play. I am more in favor of five forwards than two defensemen. And I don't love five forwards either, but I take it over this shit show. Paul Maurice. My biggest concern about Florida is Paul Maurice. 
structured coaching. He's a good, I love his interviews. Great. This is old school, two defensemen on the power. We've evolved past this. We've evolved past in the NBA, the center that is Dwight Howard, that can only shoot shots from a foot away from the basket. We've evolved past that. In the NHL, two defensemen on the power play, enough. Enough. It's it's trash. It doesn't work. Get Carter Verhege in the top unit. Your second power play unit is like, how can I even describe this? It's basically like showing up to a wedding late. You're the people that weren't really invited, but were kind of invited, but you're such a shithead that you can't get there on time. You're there, but you're kind of making noise during the ceremony, and you're there for a little bit before you get too drunk, but you, have, but you get sent home. You're at the wedding a total of 45 minutes, but you're also late to that wedding, and nobody was happy that you were there. The second power play unit is out for 30 seconds max. Max. They're not given an opportunity. You're there to kill time before the guy gets out of the box, get five on five, get the hell off the ice, we'll get our best players out there again. Sounds harsh, bitter truth. No two defensemen on the power play. Enough, Florida. Enough. Good things from Florida last night. Boy, Matthew Kachuk looked good. Boy, Matthew Kachuk looked good last night. That's not a surprise. But he had a great first impression. He was the best player on the ice for all 60 minutes. Dynamic, creative. He just jumped off the screen. You watch the game, he was the player I noticed the most. Went between the legs, nearly scored in the power play. Gets the empty net goal to get his first goal as a Panther. He just created a new sense, a new energy in South Florida last night, even though they're on the road in Long Island. Florida this year is going to be a team that wins based off work ethic and grunt work more than skill. And on the when you look at the standings, when you look at the end of the season, it might look like Florida has a less successful season. That doesn't mean they won't go farther. To me. They will not win the President's Trophy this season. Florida will not be the number one seed in the Atlantic. That will be Toronto. Florida may finish behind Tampa. Maybe. They'll be close. But... Losing Huberto, Florida needed to lose Huberto. Huberto is going to have success in Calgary. We'll talk about that in just a minute here. He's going to have success there. He's got a new opportunity himself. It's refreshing for both sides. But the way this team played was a soft, soft team that if you couldn't score from the outside, if you couldn't score goals via highlight reel, you weren't going to win. Newsflash. In the playoffs, you're not going to win that way. It's been proven. You need the middle of the ice to win. Why isn't Toronto won a round in the playoffs? Because they aren't willing to get to those dirty areas. One of the main reasons. 
Goaltending can be talked about forever. It's not the biggest reason why they lose. It's because guys like Braden Point, guys, teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning, Montreal Canadiens, way less talented. They are willing to pay a price to score goals in those tight areas. Toronto was not. Florida was not either. They wouldn't go to those dirty. Tampa is a gritty team full of skilled players. But when you get to a certain time of year, are you willing to flip the script and do what is required? I look at this team way less talented than it was last year. Way less talented. Hornquist and Achari and Lusterainen and Anton Lundell. You have a bunch of grunt work type players. Lunch pail, box it up, let's go to work. That's their team in a nutshell. I think Anton Lundell, who led the NHL in shorthanded goals last year, will have a bigger impact this year. His skill will come out more. But I look at the rest of the lineup. Luster Reinen scores a goal last night. He had he's got 28 points in 104 NHL games in his career. Patrick Hornquist, as gritty as it gets. The second coming of Thomas Holmstrom. Very much in your face, meat potatoes. Punch you in the face to make a play. Whatever he has to do to win, he will do it. Love him. Love him. But it's not skill. It's not flash. It's not, well, that was sexy. No, it's how do, how do we win this game? Let's, let's, let's find a way to outwork our opponent to win rather than flash and dash. It's a different Florida Panther team. I'm intrigued to see how this roster plays in the regular season. Because teams that have high-end skill are rewarded in the regular season. Toronto, Florida, Colorado can do both. But again, you get my point here. It's having the ability, when it matters most, to play that hard-nosed game. And I think this team will be. They are equipped to play that game. They won't be as good as they were last year in the regular season, but that, again, that doesn't mean they won't be as successful at the end of the year. We'll have to wait and see. That's the that's the joy of the regular season, but I think this team will be fun to watch. Kachuk looks great. And need some work. They need some they need to patch some holes, find some some better their their defense is, is a weak part of their team. We'll talk about that more on a, on a later date. Colorado Calgary. Colorado, this was their second game in two nights, so back to back to start the season. They have emotional the first game. They beat Chicago. It's great. They raise the banner and they get a win. But then they got to fly from Colorado to Canada, get to Calgary in late, and you got Calgary who are fired up, ready to start their year. And Calgary couldn't have had a better first impression. It was a game of domination from the Calgary Flames. It was 5-3 at the end of it. It was not close to being 5-3. Calgary came to play last night. Huberto, Uyghur, Kadri, every new addition they acquired made a good first impression last night. They all came to play. They all provided something different. I thought Calgary looked great. I thought Huberto fit in well, set up Lindholm for a goal, which I think is something we'll see a lot this year. Uyghur got a primary assist on a Rasmus Anderson goal. Uyghur 
of all the new additions, I think Uyghur was the best player last night. He was better than Huberto. He was better than Kadri. He just looked inspired. He looked ready to go. You can't say anything bad about the game because they dominated the Stanley Cup champions, the reigning defending Stanley Cup champions. They, they dominated them. Colorado, again, their first back-to-back, -back, they didn't play great. It takes a while to get your legs under you, get, get you ready to play, but that doesn't change the fact that Calgary played fantastic. Calgary, Florida, two most interesting teams to me to start the season at the very least. I'll look at these teams. I'll look at the new barometer as we get to 20 games, 40 games, as we get to new goalposts, right? But to start the year, that was the two teams for me because of the change, because of the systematic shift, because of the coaching change in Florida. How's that going to work? Calgary, Calgary's, pardon me, big, can be an opportunity or Calgary's big problem will be players' ability to adapt, ability to rise up or fall down. Player number one that comes to mind for me in that regard, Dylan Dubé. Dylan, Dylan Dubé scored a shorthanded goal last night. I think he had a great game. I like Dylan Dubé a lot. He's got more offense on the bone. He's got more scoring ability on the bone. He started the season last night playing with Nazem Kadri and Andrew Majinapani. Really interesting line. A line mixed with toughness and skill. Because Majinapani scored 40 goals last year. Nazem Kadri had 87 points. And Dylan Dubé was the lesser of the three, but might have more offensive upside than even Nazem Kadri. He's a guy that, to me, that's going to play shorthanded minutes, but still be a great five-on-five -five player. So Dubé's one for me. The other, I've said the last couple of years, you know, Rasmus Anderson has been talked about as being the number one defenseman on the Calgary Flames. And my pushback to that has always been, no, Rasmus Anderson is not the number one defenseman on the Calgary Flames. He's the number one defenseman on the Calgary Flames because he has to be. They have no other option. There's no other player to be thrown in there. Uyghur is not the, the option. He's not a number one defenseman. He's paid well. He's not a number one defenseman, however. I watched Rasmus Anderson last night. He played like one. He played like one, and I'm, I'm wondering if he can harness that success, that play for an entire season of off, you know, D number one type potential, his skating, his ability to read a play, his offensive mindedness. He's got it all. Not to mention he makes good decisions getting out of his own. He played great. Great first game. Great first game. Does that keep going? Again, you have a whole season to figure that out. But it will be massive for the Flames if he can. Because that's something you're not going to acquire. Is a number one defenseman going to become available this year? Well, Jacob Chikrin will likely be traded from ASU. Is he a number one defenseman? Debatable. To me, Seth Jones is a number one defenseman. But who's going to take that $9.5 million? He's also got a no-trade clause. He's not going to Calgary. 
Other than that, are there teams that are going to part with the number? Seattle does not have one. Anaheim, I wouldn't trade any of those. Events. I like them all. That's the problem. The teams that are going to have potentially number one defensemen to trade, you're not going to because they're so hard to come by. So a team like Calgary, Rasmus Anderson developing into a number one defenseman would be huge for this team because it changes your outlook. Colorado getting Kale McCarr changed their team because you can slot in everybody. Taves, you got Byron, you got Gerard, who I don't like, but still he's he fits in better because he's on your third pair. It helps your team, helps you fill out. Calgary look good. I like their lineups. You got Richie playing with loot. I mean, they're they got a gritty, they got a physical team mixed in with a whole lot of skill. It's a good combination. Real good combination. You got a great goalie. And you got a coach that's won two Stanley Cups. Like him or hate him, Daryl Sutter's a winner. He's dry as hell. He does it his own way. He's Daryl Sutter. But he's won. He's turned things around. This team is a threat. They got the Oilers tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow night. The back half of Hockey Night in Canada. Interesting game. Interesting game. First time they played each other since the postseason. I think you make an argument anytime two Canadians team play against each other is an interesting game. I would vehemently disagree. I could point to Toronto-Ottawa matchups not being entertaining for the last five to six years. Maybe it will be this year. Ottawa goes into Toronto tomorrow night. All I can add on the Toronto front is they went 0-5 in the power play and they won a game. I don't think they'll go 0 for 5 in the power play many times this year. I might be wrong. I don't think I will be. Matthews tips in a shot from Mark Giordano. Great. Beat, beat Washington at home. Home opener. Great. Still got that shitty goal song. I wish they changed that. I like Holland Oates. I don't like that song. What would you choose as... The goal song. If you're all the Leaf fans out there, what would be your goal? What would be the goal song for the Leafs? I mean, there's cliche songs. I mean, you could go like, I like, you know, Ender Sandman, Metallica. That's more baseball, I suppose. I mean, for my goal song, if I, if it was just an individual thing, mine would be a, a lame song. I mean, like a tragically hip tune or Dance of the Clairvoyance by Pearl Jam. That's a great song. Certainly be certain certainly would not be any of the new music out there. Zach Bryan or whatever knockoff this guy is now. Sorry if you're a Zach Bryan fan, but the guy's a fraud. Didn't mean to go on that tangent, but I like Holland Oates. Not that song. Crap goal song. Come on, change it. Change it. They won't. They won't. It's just so easy. It's a crap song. Maybe Chris Johnston will write that in his next column. They might talk about uh, changing the goal song if he if he brings it up. Lee, TSN Insider, just Leafs Insider. Oddly enough, I liked him better at Sportsnet because he only came in once a week. It wasn't so obvious that he was a Leafs fan, Leafs homer, Leafs booster. Another fun poll question we could look into next week. Who is 
who is the who's the biggest media how can I frame this correctly? Who is the who is the media member that is the Maple Leafs' biggest booster? There we go. That's a question there. If you're listening to this show this weekend, how about you leave a rating and review? And in your review, so I know that you left a review, and I'll appreciate it. You write who what media member is the biggest Leafs booster? We need these rating reviews. It helps the show, helps us on our rating on Apple Podcast. Also, I'd love to see your answers. I want to hear from all of you. Rating review, leave the answer. If you leave a rating review this weekend, I will bring it up on Monday's show. There's a promise. Leave us a rating review. Also, last night, Penguins get off to a rip-roaring start. They beat Arizona State University. Here's a fun fact. Arizona State does not play a home game until October 28th. Road trip to start the season. They go through Eastern Canada. They go through the they go through the East. They stink so bad. Poor Karim Verlaja. He's gonna lose a lot of games. His goals against his you talk about there we go. Verlage is a pretty good goaltender. He's gonna play for a brutal team. His stats are gonna go down the drain. His next contract is going to struggle organization hurting his stock hurting his his uh, ability and his you know his ability to make more money first home game october 28th what other interesting tidbits last night seattle beats los angeles shane wright healthy scratch ontario tax mentioned that earlier but i do find that interesting i do find that interesting that he was a healthy scratch his second nhl game why was he healthy scratch last night easy thought well because they don't want to use his entry-level contract yet and he can only play a total of nine games and i think they got to start chatting to shane wright about the possibility about him going back to junior i think they got to make sure they chat with him so that his confidence is not completely shaketh so that he's okay he doesn't lose it he doesn't give old He doesn't give old, really everybody, the whole brass there, the crook eye. Eddie Olchek's brother, the stare. Ron Francis, the stare. This might, I'm not picking on Shane Wright, but when it doesn't get talked about, when it's not reported on, I have to. And I'll do it my way, to quote Frank Sinatra. Other news and notes from the NHL. Vegas is 2-0. Logan Thompson, nice shutout. Patrick Laine was injured opening night against the... Who did they play? Doesn't matter. Columbus played opening night. They lost. Or Wednesday night, I should add. They lost their game. I forget who they played. Could have been that meaningful. But yeah, I know they lost, but I do forget who they played. I apologize for that. They lost their game. First game of the season. And now there we learn Line A has an elbow sprain. He's out three to four weeks. Couple interesting fronts here. Number one, Columbus is not a great team to begin with. Line A missing three to four weeks could could derail their playoff chances. Not being hyperbolic. I'm just thinking ahead. 
Columbus' key to winning was as follows. Line Goudreau finding success of one another and scoring at a great pace. Goudreau getting over 100 points again. Line getting 40 to 50 goals. Can Line still go still score 40 goals? Yes, but I'd say unlikely. Actually, no, he's not going to score 40 goals. Can he score 30? Probably. I don't know if he will. Number two, Columbus's goaltending improving. Merzlikens, Corpusala both had under 900 save percentages last year. Goals against was over two a game. Not good enough. He needed that to solidify itself. One goaltender's already injured. God. Merzlikens had to miss the first game because of an illness or some kind of injury. Corpusala seems to get injured every third and fourth start. Not a great look in Columbus thus far. But the big thing here for this team, who's right up against the cap, who aren't going to make the playoffs yet, they went out there, they re-signed Line A, they traded Oliver Bjorkstrand, who scored his first goal as his member of Seattle Kraken last night in their first win. And you sign Johnny Gaudreau, you sign Zach Orensky, you give Eric Branson a crazy contract for no good reason. This is why Patrick Line signed his extension. This is why Patrick Laine said, you know what, yes to Columbus. I said Patrick Laine would not sign an extension this offseason. On an earlier show, I pointed out my ignorance. I pointed out when I was wrong, because that's how I approach this show. I was wrong. He signed an extension because he couldn't pass up the money. He might love Columbus. He might hate it. He doesn't care. He knows he wasn't going to get that type of change, which was over $7 million, anywhere else for situations such as this a three to four week elbow sprain injury can cost you much more than a million bucks here's why you get an elbow sprain you don't have a contract for next season columbus might be out you know might be wondering can we keep this guy he hasn't been that great since torts left he's he's good he's okay but uh, i don't know plus we're up against the cap we could really use some cap relief and he doesn't really give a whole lot in the defensive zone, and he's injured all the time. That screams, let's let him walk. But you're so desperate to keep players in Columbus. Panarin left, Seth Jones left, Bobrovsky left, Duchesne left. Columbus has been a just a way station for people to pass through, get a connecting flight, and go to a better place. Florida, Nashville, you name it. Chicago. But you had to keep Liney in town, so you gave him an extension, even though he didn't deserve it. You had to give Wierenski the same deal as Seth Jones because his ego was hurt. And you had to bring Johnny Gaudreau in and give him that money because he was too stupid to go back to Calgary. Right. Columbus is an organization that is searching for an identity through desperation. That's not how you approach winning. That's not how you find winning. That's not how that's not how you find it. You have a no-name coach. You have a bunch of big flashy names that you can throw on a billboard and a team around it that's full of holes, full of lack of talent, and that's about it. I love Cole Sillinger. I do. Good player. Igor Shinnikov had a great preseason. Does he turn it into a good year? Maybe. Columbus is one of those teams that are going to be mid-pack, not get a top 10 pick in all likelihood, and be 8 to 10 points outside of a playoff spot. The worst place you can be in the league. 
having a high payroll, not having a whole lot of relief to play with things or not play around with things. And you're still looking to the future with a team that's nowhere, nowhere close, not even close to winning a Stanley Cup. That's Columbus building through not osmosis, but desperation and relevancy. Good for Patrick Liney for signing the contract. Nobody knows your body like you do. Nobody knows that he's, nobody knows his work ethic like he does. Johnny Gaudreau, having fun in Columbus yet? One game, getting a little cold. I guess Calgary's cold too. Could have went anywhere though. Could have went to Philly. They're 1-0, beat my Devils last night. Alexander Holtz gets first NHL goal. Allison gets a goal. Morgan Frost gets two, look good. John Torella, first one with Philadelphia Flyers. Columbus. Columbus, Columbus. Good luck. Good luck. Speaking of Philly, before we move off of hockey, Travis Sanheim signed a eight-year, $50 million extension with the Philadelphia Flyers. I mentioned this yesterday that Elliot Friedman had reported that the two were close to an extension, and he basically got a similar deal to Mackenzie Weger. He got $6.25 million a season, and Sanheim's been a key part of this defense score for the last number of years, although Sanheim has not had as much success on this team since Phil Myers departed for Chicago, so for uh, Nashville, now with, Tam- now with Tampa Bay. Now you could argue Ryan Ellis is going to be featured with Sanheim. Ryan Ellis' career might be over. He's played five games as a Philadelphia Flyer, and now Travis Sanheim is paired with Justin Braun. I don't mind this extension. To me, I will always say this. Eight years for a player that is not going to be a cornerstone of you potentially winning a championship does not make a whole lot of sense to me. Travis Sanheim's a fine player. He's a defensive-minded defenseman. He makes smart decisions. He'll be your grandfather's favorite defenseman because he'll finish with a good plus-minus. And he'll give you a hard day's work. He's meat and potatoes, but meat and potatoes is a good meal. My grandfather ate meat and potatoes for 50 years, and he was a healthy man. He was in good shape. Didn't have a beer belly. He ate meat and potatoes every day. He was, he was better for it, for having that meat and potatoes. And teams are better for it having a meat and potatoes defenseman. Canada, TJ Brody, meat and potatoes. Absolutely. Shea Weber was a better meat potato, but again, a meat meat potatoes type guy. You think of teams that win. Brian McKay was meat potatoes. He had a good career. Every team's got a meat potatoes type guy, but you don't give him eight years 50. You're telling me Sanheim's not taking six times six? He can only get seven from another team. Is he getting seven from another team? I don't know. My recommendation to general managers Eight-year contracts go to special players. Just think of this. Travis Sanheim and Leon Dreisaitl both got eight-year deals. Does that seem right? Does that seem like it makes sense? Does that make a whole lot of sense? Travis Sanheim and these guys have the same number of years on their deal. 
It doesn't to me, but then again, maybe I'm just being a hater. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it. Eight-year contracts should go to guys that you know are going to change your team. They are going to be building blocks on your success. I cannot say that about Travis Santa. Really good player, meat potatoes, but not a game changer. Provorov, I give him eight years. Yes. By the way, Provorov and D'Angelo, I watched a little bit of that game last night too, New Jersey and Philly. D'Angelo good with Provorov. Got an offensive first pair there in Philadelphia. And I just mentioned about your grandfather, your grandfather's favorite defenseman, which would be Travis Sanheim. Your grandfather, or in this case, my father, would hate this defense pair because I guarantee at the end of the year, their plus minus is not going to be good. But they probably both will have over 60 points, 50 at least. This is how you know you're talking to a veteran. If somebody mentions plus minus to you, it should be a game. Because plus minus is the most meaningless stat in sports. It's a stupid one. It doesn't measure anything. Watch the games and see how a player plays. Look at giveaways. Look at other metrics that you can you can look at. Owen Power getting stripped last night. That would have been his fault. Would, have been his, would not have been his defensive partner's fault. Would have been a minus, however. Does that seem fitting? Does that seem right? No. Stupid. Just stupid, my friends. But that's the NHL report from last night. Interesting night in the National Hockey League. Again, this these are fun. You know, I just went through an hour of hockey talking about all these different teams. And I, I enjoy that. I hope you guys, like I said, give me your feedback about do you want me to talk about certain teams? Do you want me to go around the league? Because that to me is it's fun to watch different teams, and I can bring that information to you all. Different notes. Did you know Shane Wright was a healthy scratch last night? That might be news to all of you. Again, I, I track this shit. That's something I, I like to do. Winning games, how, how players are playing. Morgan Frost, I think he's going to have a good, good rookie year. He's an older rookie. Could he be nominated like a Michael Bunting? Maybe. Two goals already. Alexander Holtz, first NHL goal. ASU, that fun little note. First home game is October 28th. Make sure to watch. It's against the Jets it's on a Friday night. Yep. Uh, every, every league, every team has your superstar, has your hero player, if you're going to be a good one. And sometimes that player is not highly touted, is not, you're not looked at as the man. You're, you're brought into the organization and you got players in front of you who are, you, people say, well, this guy's going to be our future of our team. This guy is, this guy is our future. Well, I don't think Jordan Alvarez was meant to be the star of the Houston Astros, but he is. Jose Altuve was in front of him. Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, George Springer. All these guys were the Astros. But credit to the Houston Astros, players have left and they've stayed relevant. Jeremy Pena's played well. Phil Matone, great guys in the bullpen like Bobby Abreu, Ryan Presley. But Jordan Alvarez is quickly becoming a household name, and he's becoming a one-name player. You can just say Jordan. Because through the first two games of the Seattle Mariner-Houston Astros series, 
Jordan Alvarez has been the hero in both games. In game one, it was bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs. Robbie Ray with his tight pants comes out to the mound, and Jordan Alvarez crushes a fastball to Mars. Walk-off, 9-8 win. In game two, Luis Castillo, trade deadline acquisition for the Seattle Mariners, playing like an ace, is an ace, having a great start, one run through six and two-thirds until Jordan Alvarez moonshot. It's two, it's three, two Astros. They add another run. They win the game four, two. Alvarez has scored the winning run in back-to-back games. He had 99 RBIs this, or 97 RBIs this season. He batted over 300 as a designated hitter. Normally designated hitters, who he does play left field, but he's not great in the field. Normally, those guys bat 224. Or they're Kyle Schwarber. They hit 40 dingers, and they bat 208. Jordan is a skilled, skilled guy, and he is dialed in with his bat. Jose Altuve does not have a hit in the two-game series against the Seattle Mariners, yet the Astros lead 2-0. Jose Altuve, an MVP of the league, a World Series champion, and yet the Astros lead. Alvarez is now the best player on the Houston Astros. He surpassed Bregman, who's still a very good third baseman. He surpassed anybody you want to name. And he's becoming a one-name household name, Jordan. Incredible stuff from him. Heroic moments hitting dingers off a Cy Young Award winner. And Luis Castillo, who eventually could win one. Wouldn't surprise me by the end of his career as Castillo has a Cy Young. Great pitcher for the Reds. Was great in Seattle. This after being traded there. And he's pitching, he pitched seven innings yesterday. He had a good game. Wasn't good enough. Make a mistake to Jordan, you pay for it. Mariners play game four tomorrow. It'll be their first home playoff game since 01. Alex Rodriguez was a Mariner. The Mariners won over 100 games that season, they lost in the DS. It's a big moment for this franchise. I think it'll be an emotional day for those fans. Tough way to lose the first two games, including game one. It is. You want to win those games. You want to find a way to remain in it. No no denying that from me. Look ahead to the starting pitchers as I prepare for the Yankee game is ongoing. That game has just started in the Bronx. Game two between the Yankees and the Guardians. We got Shane Bieber going up against Nestor Cortez today. Two great pitchers. But this weekend for Seattle, they're going with George Kirby, who has not made a playoff start in his career. And Houston will counter tomorrow with Lance McCullers Jr., who's always been a really good postseason starter. He's a quiet guy. You don't hear much about Lance McCullers Jr., but he seems to find a way to be really productive for the Astros. 
acquired that for them a number of years ago. I like Lance McCullers, but George Kirby's been fantastic. I I predicted the Astros win this series. I do think the Mariners will win tomorrow. I, I, I thought the Mariners would win yesterday. They're a good baseball team. I think they find a way tomorrow to to even the, to make it two to one. They'll win one home playoff game in the Mar- and the Astros will clean it up on Sunday. But Jordan Alvarez, my God, all rise, all rise for him. Other series, I mentioned the Yankees. They got a game this afternoon against the guard. That's ongoing right now. We got that game. It's currently zero zero. It's bottom of the first inning. Braves Phillies game two today. We got. Charlie Morton for the Braves going up against Aaron Nola for the Phillies. Phillies. Charlie Morton is a good postseason pitcher, but he normally gives you about five innings. He's meat and potatoes. He's Travis Sanheim, oddly enough, mentioning they're playing Philly. He's like Rich Hill. He, you know what you're going to get from him. It's, it's a little, it's not as much as you'd like, but it's a solid meal. For Atlanta, for I thought Spencer Strider would get the start today, quite frankly, for the Braves, but they're not going to. They're going with Charlie Morton, the veteran. I get it. Not really. Phillies win today gets interesting for me. Because I, I I think that would be the, the optimal move. Oh, and as I'm saying this, folks, they flexed it. Strider is starting today. There we go. Smart decision from, I'd much rather win today, and maybe they'll lose. Aaron Nola had a great start in the wildcard game. I'd go with the guy, I'd get the 2-1, because you're on the road, and then you go into game four and you throw the pitcher you're not as confident about, but you're playing with house money. I'd approach it that way. Where, because you play three games in three days, regardless. They play, if it goes game five, it's Sunday afternoon. Maybe Kyle Wright can pitch there, or you can go back to Max Fried, and you have confidence in him having a good start. But I like Strider going today. So that's news. Strider goes today against Aaron Nola. Great pitching matchup. Dodgers Padres game three today in San Diego. We have Tony Gonsolin, who went 16 and one this season, battling injuries over the last number of weeks against Blake Snell, who got lit up in game in in the wild card game. Pitching against Jacob DeGrom. Dodgers are a better team. I mentioned Jake Cronworth yesterday. He was the hero for the Padres in game two. Tony, but Tony Gonsolin such an unknown pitcher in the postseason. Blake Snell can find success. Padres need to win today. Padres... It will go five if the Padres win today. If the Padres lose today, it's over and four. doesn't go back to Los Angeles. But this weekend, I got the Braves winning tonight against the Phillies in game three. I like Spencer Strider. It's his first postseason start, but I think he'll perform. And I like their bats too much. I mentioned I like the Guardians today. I like Shane Bieber. I think the Guardians get at least one. I predicted they'd win the series. I'm, I'm riding with the Guard- Guardians despite their lack of hitting. So I got the Braves tonight. I got the Guardians, of course. Because by Monday, the NL series will be over. So by Monday, I expect the Braves to have won. Morton start scares me a bit. 
but I, maybe they'll find a way to win that series. I got the Braves winning in four. Dodgers, Padres, I think the Dodgers, Donnie Gonsolin will, will find a way tonight. They'll win that series. And in the American League, I, I do think Mariners win tomorrow. I do believe that. George Kirby, Lance McCullers Jr. Sunday, it would be still not named starters yet for that game. First game of the day, three, uh, 407 first pitch. I think that they would find a way to win that game. The Astros. I think by Monday, I think every series, Yankees series is still active. Every other series is over. The Braves have moved on to preparing for the Dodgers. The and the Guardians are wait. Uh, the Astros are waiting for the Guardians and Yankees series. That's how I see baseball going this weekend. But it's been fun. Jordan Alvarez has been great. Jake Cronworth was a hero. Can Shane Bieber pitch a gem today and get a split? Going Guardians, so important for the Guardians. But I'm loving it. We got lots. We got lots of great stuff this weekend. Hockey. Afternoon hockey tomorrow. We got afternoon baseball. You got a college football weekend. And of course, we got the NFL. And it is big money Friday. So let's talk about this. NFL week six betting lines. Start Minnesota at Miami. Miami is a three-point dog at home. Why? Well, Skylar Thompson is the third-string quarterback, a rookie seventh-rounder out of Kansas State. Teddy Bridgewater apparently did have a concussion, even though people said in the media maybe he didn't. Tua's practicing lightly, but Skylar Thompson will make his first career NFL start. Tyreek Hill has been banged up the last two weeks. It's been reported he's going to play, but he's banged up. So is Jalen Waddell. This Miami defense gave up 23 second half points to the New York Jets. Minnesota has Justin Jefferson, who leads the NFL in receiving yards. They have Adam Thielen, who leads the NFL in touchdowns by a receiver over the last three seasons. Lots of skill position. By the way, the Minnesota Vikings are a quiet 4-1 leading the NFC North. This isn't a game where I pick the dog. I don't trust the quarterback. I saw him play last week. Miami will be desperate for this game, but their defense hasn't looked good. They had a 3-0 start. Unfortunately for the Dolphins, they're going to be 3-3. Minnesota. I like Minnesota. They're going to be a five, quiet 5-1 five team. Minnesota goes into Miami. Miami cannot cover that line. The Minnesota by wins by at least a touchdown. Minnesota minus 3. One of the more interesting games of the week. There are many of them this week. Baltimore at the New York Giants. Giants are a five and a half home dog. Why is this game interesting? Well, the Giants are four and one. You could say they got no receivers. Sure. Baltimore is coming in with Lamar Jackson as quarterback. Wink Martindale is the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants. Where did Wink Martindale coach prior to going to the Giants? Oh, yeah, he was the Baltimore defensive coordinator for five years. That means he saw Lamar Jackson every day in practice for four of those. Wink is known for pressure. 
he ha- he blitzes more than any other defensive coach in the NFL. What did he do in the last two plays of last week's game in London against the Green Bay Packers? He blitzed. He brought the house at Aaron Rodgers. Both passes were batted down. Well, our last season was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL against the Blitz. So far this season, he is the number one quarterback against the Blitz. What a transformation. I think Wink is going to bring the house at Lamar Jackson. And this Giants defense is better than what was predicted before the season. This Giants offensive line is better in past weeks than it has been. Oftentimes, their sacks are covered sacks or the fact that Daniel Jones is holding on to the ball too long. Baltimore's defense has been decent against the run. That's not the reason they're losing games. They give up big passing plays. They got came back, uh, you, you see them play against Miami, Tua threw them back into that game. The a collapse against Buffalo, that was more about Josh Allen. Yes, he did some damage with his legs, but he also hit Stefan Diggs for some big plays in that game as well. The Giants are 4-1, and one, and it is surprising because Darius Slayton's their best receiver. Saquon Barkley is doing it you know, nip just by the skin of his teeth. I like Baltimore to win the game. And the Giants just covered an 8-point spread last week. I, I wouldn't mind dabbling in taking the Giants plus 5.5 at home. They are not a better team than Baltimore. Baltimore will win the game. Giants plus five and a half to cover the spread. New England at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland is a three-point favorite for just a betting 101. When you are a home team in the NFL, you are normally a three-point favorite. That is just a flat line. That's when you're just a team. So the first two games we just talked about, Giants, Miami, both home underdogs. That is rare. Cleveland is 2-3. and three. New England Patriots are 2-3. and three. New England's coming off a 26-0 drubbing of the Detroit Lions. Cleveland's coming off a 20-17 or 23-20 defeat to the Los Angeles Chargers. Bailey Zappi against uh, Jacoby Brissett. Brissett was a third-round pick originally of the New England Patriots, so they know him well. Bill Belichick knows him. Inside and out. Mac Jones did practice this week. Unlikely to start. New England looks like a team that's going to run the ball, play action. They might be better than I said last week. I torched them last week. Maybe they're throwing it back in my face. Cleveland can run the football. That we know. Nick Chubb, best pure running back in the NFL. Brissett has some decent weapons in Amari Cooper. Decision-making by the head coach and play calling is, is vital. I'm, I would not bet on this game because I don't have a feel for either team yet. They're both 2-3. and three. They're, We talked about parity being a winner yesterday. It is because there's so many games where teams are 2-3. and three. We'll get into a bunch of them here. I would take Cleveland. I don't trust New England, but I'm not betting on this game. I wouldn't advise you to either. Cincinnati at New Orleans. New Orleans plus one. New Orleans a one-point home favorite. This tells you what they think of the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Cincinnati played Baltimore last week. They only gave up 19 points. They didn't give up a whole lot of rushing yards, which is the key to the Saints winning. The Saints, Jameis Winston returned to practice, not known if he's starting yet this week. If not, it'll be the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, for the third straight week. Here's, here's the rub. New Orleans is winning games last week. With Taysom Hill, with Alvin Kamara, with Big Trust, Mark Ingram. That is how they win. Cincinnati's not giving up many rushing yards a game. They play a conservative, and they're key to winning Cincinnati. They're facing two deep safeties every week. They're getting the Cincinnati treatment where teams are saying, take the checkdowns, take what's in front of you, because you're not going to beat us over the top. Jamar Chase is not having a great season on paper. T. Higgins is not having a great season on paper. It's just check down, check down, short pass. Joe Burrow has to accept his fate here. Is two and three, but Cincinnati is. I have Cincinnati. I don't care if the game is in New Orleans. As a underdog, if I'm getting plus points on Cincinnati, Cincinnati just has to win this game. They cover the spread. I'm taking Cincinnati. I'm taking the Bengals as a road dog. San Francisco at Atlanta. Atlanta, five-and-a-half-point home dog. The Atlanta Falcons are a covering machine when it comes to gambling. They have covered five straight weeks. They've covered against teams like it, like New Orleans, like Tampa Bay, the Rams. They've covered against good teams. They they covered against they covered against the Seahawks. They beat the Seahawks. Five straight covers for the Atlanta Falcons. This bubble is going to burst. San Francisco's won two in a row. They defeated the Rams at home. They went on the road to Carolina and dispatched of them. They now head to Atlanta. Jimmy Garoppolo settling in. Jeff Wilson Jr., Debo Samuel using the offense. As you know, I like San Francisco a lot. I had them going to the Super Bowl prior to the start of the season. They're 3-2. and two. Atlanta's 2-3. and three. Didn't have an opportunity to be 3-2 and two because of the roughing the Brady call on Grady Jarrett late in the game. Marcus Mariota is a frustrating quarterback. He'll never make you successful, but they're going to keep you in a game. I like Atlanta to cover for a six straight win as a five, a six straight cover as a five and a half point dog. Field goal game. I don't think Atlanta will win this game, but the way this season is going, if you're smelling upset, I don't blame you because there's just something in the air this season. But to recap, I like the Giants, five and a half home dog to cover. And I like Atlanta, five and a half point dog to cover. Two games that I like. New York Jets at the Green Bay Packers. Packers, seven point home favorite. The Jets have won two in a row for the first time in seemingly ever. Beat the Dolphins. They beat the Steelers. Dolphins were without a starting quarterback. Steelers 
are one and four might be the worst team in football. Doesn't change the fact you've won two in a row. Green Bay barely beat the Bucks, and they lost to the Giants in London last week. Green Bay's offense does not rank in the top 10, nor does their defense. I thought both would. The Jets, this is a, a tricky game because I, recency bias is screaming that you take the Jets plus seven. I would not do that. I think Green Bay is going to win this game. I think they solidify themselves. I do like the Jets roster. I've talked about that a lot. But this is the type of game Green Bay's at home. It's a get-right game for Green Bay. You improved to 4-2. and two. You just lost to the Giants. If you're Green Bay, you're tired of losing to New York teams. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on the Jets in this game. I normally like taking. You get the five and a half, you get a seven point. As you can be an underdog, but Green Bay's at home. Aaron Rodgers is not going to lose back to back games to the Jets and the Giants. No offense, New York, but it's not going to happen. He doesn't have great weapons, but he's got two running backs that Matt LaFleur needs to incorporate more. You have A.J. Dillon, the moose, and you have Aaron Jones, the versatile little leopard. Use them on the field. Spread them out. Slants outside. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers, do not just stare down Alan Lazard if it's a tight game late. If you gamble on the Jets this weekend, all power to you. I respect the bet. Plus seven, I do, to cover. I just don't have the... I don't think it's going to happen because the Jets have won two in a row, yes, but we haven't seen Zach Wilson have a bad game yet. It's going to happen. doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback, but it just means you go through these growing bands. He has two to three interceptions, he lose the game. It'll happen. It wouldn't surprise me if it comes against... Zaya Alexander needs to have a big game. For Green Bay, he's one of the best. He's coming back from injury at corner. He needs to play. Elijah Vera Tucker versus Rashawn Gary. Fun matchup this weekend with Vera Tucker, Vera Tucker likely playing left tackle. Rashawn Gary being one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Tampa Bay at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh plus eight. Tampa, hammer it. I'm not going to go more into it. Pittsburgh's a disaster. They're not going well. Tampa's a better football team. Brady will have four touchdowns in this game. They cruise out of that one. Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Indianapolis is a two-point favorite. Jacksonville has already beaten Indy this year at home. Jacksonville comes in two and three. Indy is two, two, and one. That's right, two, two, and one. Titans lead this division at three and two. The Texans are one, two, and one. My God. Indy last played against the Broncos on Thursday Night Football. If you if you can recall that game, Matt Ryan got sacked six times, I believe. Jacksonville scored six points last week against the Houston Texans. Trevor Lawrence has played horrible in back-to-back games. Indy's still without a great wide receiver. They got Pittman, and that's it. Paris Campbell's out for a number of weeks, so they lost another receiver. Unclear if Jonathan Taylor is going to play on Sunday. Indy's a two-point favorite at home. You normally get three points as a home favorite. I'm taking the Jags. 
I'm right. I took the Jags in a future to win the division. I have to take the Jags. You you sweep Indy. That's a big deal in the division. I I just look at that Indy offensive line. It's terrible. You have Josh Allen. You have Trayvon Walker. And and yes, there is a Josh Allen on that Jacksonville defense. Good pass rusher. You got some guys that can get to the quarterback. And I don't. I think they can do enough offensively to get right game for Jacksonville, if you will, to to get to three and three, and see what you can do. But I like Jacksonville to win on the road at Indy. Jacksonville plus two. Arizona at Seattle. Seattle is a three point home dog. Both these teams are two and three. Both these teams win one, lose one. That's how it works. Arizona could have been in, could have won the game last week against Philly, but they don't. They've been in every game so far this season, just other, other than their first game against the Chiefs where they got blown out. Kyler Murray has moments where he makes you so proud of him. Geno Smith has been a better quarterback this season than Kyler Murray. He's been a better quarterback than a lot of quarterbacks, but Geno Smith's been really competent, a really solid quarterback for the Seahawks. I mentioned that I think the Mariners are going to win their game three tomorrow with George Kirby on the mound. They'll find a way to win that game to extend this this series to game four. Well, if it goes to game four, the start time for this game is going to be pushed back. I think Seattle is going to be a big it's going to be a big sports weekend for Seattle. You got your Mariners in the playoffs at home for the first time since 01. And you got the Seahawks playing a division rival on Sunday afternoon. Arizona's a better team. Seattle does have good weapons. Tariq Woolen on the defense is a is a corner that continues to develop. I like the momentum of this weekend in Seattle. I like Seattle plus three, and I like Seattle outright. This is my little upset of the weekend. I like Seattle to beat Arizona. On at home, but being a home doggy, I love a home doggy, and I like Seattle to beat Arizona this weekend with the, all the excitement in this great city of Seattle. Carolina at Los Angeles Rams. Rams are a ten-point home favorite. The last time the Rams were a 10-point home favorite, it was week two against the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons covered the number. I do not believe the Carolina Panthers will cover the number this weekend, and here's why. Baker Mayfield is not starting for the Carolina Panthers. He is injured. P.J. Walker is in. Carolina this week, if you recall, fired Matt Rule. They're moving pieces around. Steve Wilkes is the interim head coach. And they're now talking about shopping pieces to contending teams, potentially Christian McCaffrey being on the way out. Other high-profile players could be out of the organization. The Rams, on the other hand, have lost two in a row. They are 2-3. and three. They look like a flat-out disaster. They lose to the 49ers. They lose to the Cowboys. The Rams need a get-right game. They need a Band-Aid game where you can – Show some confidence to the city of Los Angeles, even though you have none, because your wins this season have come against Atlanta, have come against, who else did they beat? They beat Arizona, and they would have beaten 
Carolina, Arizona, Atlanta, all teams who do not have winning records. But for LA, getting to three and three is really important. Being three and three, being ahead of, you'll be tied with either Arizona or Seattle. If you're tied with, say, Arizona does win, even though I got Seattle winning, you'll be ahead of them in the standings because of the of the tie, and you're only a game back of oh, because of head-to-head matchups, not the tie, and you'll only be a game back of the 49ers. L.A. wins this game. They win it comfortably. Matt Stafford has a big game. Cooper Cup goes over 130 yards receiving, and he, maybe even Allen Robinson has a sighting for the Rams. Game of the weekend. Buffalo at Kansas City. Kansas City is a two-point home doggy. This is the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career that he is an underdog. Yes, the first time in his career that betting-wise he is an underdog going into this game. Buffalo is riding high. They just crushed they just crushed the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. And they have Josh Allen, they got Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis is having just a you know, fantastic couple weeks and they're talking now about get, getting Christian McCaffrey bolstering an already great team. However, defensively, they're beat up. Their secondary is much maligned. It's it's beat up. Matt Milano might not play this week, so their defense is not at 100%. I got the, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, but this isn't the more important game. The Chiefs are 4-1. and one. They are a game up on the Chargers and two games up on the Broncos and three games up on the Raiders, who are 1-4. and four. Buffalo needs this win more than Kansas City. Buffalo lost to Kansas City last year in the playoffs in a game I'm sure they thought they should have won. They had 13 seconds left on the clock. Patrick Mahomes went legend. Sean McDermott went lowercase goat. And they lose that ball game. Getting home field in the postseason is extremely important. Buffalo having that when they play Kansas City, likely in the AFC Championship game, is paramount. The Dolphins are reeling. The Jets are suddenly better than the Dolphins, and the Patriots might be back. We'll see. Some, suddenly, the AFC East might be more difficult to navigate than the AFC West. Kansas City, I have winning the Super Bowl, and I have a hard time betting against Patrick Mahomes. I do, because I believe he's better than Josh Allen. But I think Buffalo wins this game. I'm not betting on Buffalo. I'm not betting. If I'm betting on this game, it's a different little parlay. I have my doggy parlay. That's going to include one of these next couple games that we talk about. But if I'm looking at favorites, Kansas City's a dog. You could throw them in on a parlay. I, I just, I think Buffalo is going to win this game. It might be might be a three-point game, and then they cover, but I, I don't think so. Buffalo is riding momentum. Their one loss this week, this year, is on the road, but it was in Miami, way different weather conditions. Kansas City will win in the end, but again, you lose to the team in the regular season, you find a way to beat them in the postseason more often than not. 
Look at the Rams last season. They lose to the 49ers twice. They beat them in the postseason. They lost to Tampa in the regular season. They beat Tampa in the postseason. It happens. Kansas City's a better team, but I got Buffalo winning the game. I wouldn't bet on it. Another great game this week. Sunday night football, the Dallas Cowboys head, or is it, I'm going to double check this. I think the game's at Philly, but I can check that it might be at Jerry World this weekend between the Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. You have the 4-1 Cowboys with Cooper Rush still the starting quarterback. Dak Prescott is not yet ready to return, so Cooper Rush will get the start. This weekend's game is at the Eagles. I was right. So Cooper Rush still at quarterback. He's he is five and zero in his career as a starting quarterback. Never lost to quote Lavar Ball, and he's looked good so far. No interceptions. He only had 102 yards passing last week, but he's done it officially. He's had great help from guys like Tony Pollard, who's had, who've had big moments. He's averaging over five yards a carry. He's only getting over. He's only having eight touches a game, however, which is stupid. Kellen Moore needs to give the ball to him more often to be successful including when Dak returns. Philly is a minus five favorite. Jalen Hurts, playing like an MVP. A.J. Brown, one of the best receivers in football. Devontae Smith, my guy. Great offensive line. Jordan Malata is out for the second straight week. It is a little banged up, but they still got a solid defense with Darius Big Play Slay back there. They got a good linebacking core. Hassan Reddick has been completely wrecking guys. Brandon Graham. They got a solid pass rush, as do the Cowboys. Cowboys defense, I would give the edge to. Offensive line play, I would certainly give. And the running attack, I would give the edge to the Eagles. Eagles have not lost. The Cowboys are 4-1. and one. They're riding this way. Both teams are on winning streaks. Cowboys 4 in a row. Philly 5 in a row. Something has to give. Philly's a five-point favorite. I have the Cowboys plus five in this game. For some reason, I think the Cowboys are going to win this game with Cooper Rush. Because it sparks controversy. It sparks Cooper Rush just beat the best team in the NFL. Can we put Dak back in? It's a ridiculous argument, but it will come. ESPN is dying for it. Mike Greenberg, host of Get Up, is literally dying for this to happen. I'm not sure Cowboys win. I got them plus five. And here's my doggies parlay of the week that I put in this morning. I got the Giants plus five and a half. I have Atlanta plus five and a half. I got Jacksonville plus two. I got Seattle plus three. And I got... Dallas plus that's a five way parlay. All underdogs, of course, because that's the way I roll. Monday night football game is Denver at the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll talk about that more on Monday. Chargers right now are six point favorite at home. But some int the Giants game really interesting this weekend. The Jets game has become way more interesting at Green Bay. Jacksonville is a watchable game. Buffalo KC at 525. You got to see every snap of that game. Dallas at Philly. You got to watch every snap. It's a good weekend in the NFL. You got some really, really good games that I can't wait to dive into. Quickly, before we sign off for the weekend, college football this weekend. 
It's a good weekend for the NFL. It's a huge weekend for college football. Undefeated is meeting up. Saturday afternoon, you got Penn State at number five, Michigan. Michigan's a seven-point favorite. I like Penn State to cover. Iowa State at Texas. Texas minus 15 and a half. Iowa at uh, Texas will win that game. Iowa State won't cover. Auburn at number nine, Ole Miss. Ole Miss minus 14 and a half. Ole Miss will win by at least 17. Minnesota is a favorite at number 24, Illinois. The fighting Illini. Illinois is ranked. Minnesota is not. Minnesota has one loss. They're coming off a bye week. The Illini, six and a half point home doggies. You know how I love a home doggy. I got Illinois plus six and a half. Kansas just got their first loss of the season. They're at Oklahoma. They lost to TCU in a last second game with a backup quarterback who balled out. Oklahoma is is getting a nine point favorite at home. Three straight losses, including a 49-0 drubbing in the Red River rivalry to Texas. Kansas, plus nine, road doggy. Love it. Alabama at Tennessee. Two undefeated teams. Two teams in the top ten, just like Penn State and Michigan. Alabama, number two. Tennessee, number seven. (sighs) Alabama nearly lost to Tennessee last week. Bryce Young will likely play in this game. He knows how important it is. Tennessee is back. They're plus seven. I wouldn't put it in my other. I like Penn State to cover. I like Illinois to cover, and I like Kansas. I might put that as a parlay. I would separate it, and I got Tennessee plus seven just because I want to have a, a cojones pile. Take Tennessee. Oklahoma State at TCU. Two undefeated teams. Max Duggan. If he gets a win this week, he will definitely be in the Heisman conversation. TCU is a three and a half point favorite at home. I got Oak State on the road, plus three and a half. I like Oak State a lot. Best team in the Big 12. NC State at Syracuse. Syracuse minus three and a half. Syracuse undefeated. NC State one loss to Clemson, who has not lost yet. Don't bet that game. I'm too scared of it. Clemson at Florida State. Clemson minus three and a half. Clemson will win that one. Stanford at Notre Dame. Notre Dame a 17-point favorite. I love to bet against Notre Dame. Stupid religious school. They think they're better than everybody. No offense, Matt Wright. Stanford stinks. They did cover against USC. Stanford will cover against Notre Dame. Stanford plus 17. And this game, no sense. USC. At Utah, Utah has lost two in a row, including to UCLA. USC is undefeated inside the top 10. I get it, Utah, including I was high in Utah before the season, but the season keeps going and things change. It's tough to win in Utah. I get it. The Utes, all that stuff. Guess what? Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Travis Dye, Jordan Addison, and that offense are going to win in Utah. USC plus three and a half. Here's how this here what I like. Kansas plus nine. Fighting Illini plus six. USC plus three and a half. And of course, you go with Oak State plus three and a half. There's my doggy parlay for college. That's what we do here to the point. We give you doggy parlays, and I'm telling you, college, I'm hitting them. NFL, I miss quite often. College, I don't. 
What a weekend. Sports, sports, sports. Get to go home right now and watch Yankees-Guardians. Game two, Shane Bieber, Nestor Cortez. Can the Guardians get a hit? Stephen Kwan, can anybody else? How about don't hit into three double plays? That might help. Rangers-Jets tonight. Jets first game of the season. Rangers third game in four nights. They defeated the Wild last night in dominating fashion. See what the Yaroslav Halak will likely get his first start of the season for the Rangers. You know, a New York Ranger, if you didn't know. Well, everyone, I hope you have a great weekend. Hope you watch some sports this weekend because, my God, there's some good games. There are some good games this weekend, some interesting lines. We're going to follow it all, and we're going to recap it all on Monday. So, everyone, like, subscribe, rate on Apple. If you leave a rating, if you leave a review, and you mention who is the biggest Maple Leaf booster from the media, I will point it out on Monday's program. And if it's worth a laugh, I'll even laugh with you. By the way, Yankees lead 2-0 on the Guardians. Stanton hit a two-run shot off Shane Bieber. Yikes. That game might be over. Guardians can't score more than one run. But leave that rating. Leave that review. I'll discuss it on Monday's show. If you do it, I'd appreciate it. Who is the biggest Maple Leafs booster in the media? There's your question for the rating and review. Have a great great weekend, everybody. Talk Monday. As always, I'm Noah Warren, and this is To The Point.